Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 48, 48, number 48 in the books today on the Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe podcast. I always love having a new guest on who I've never spoken to before because I get to learn all about them at the same time you do, and I find that to be so fun and exciting. Today, we have Tyler Taint Baker. He is currently the street man for the morning radio show, The Lex and Terry Show, and he also hosts his own podcast called The Surf Knot with two other North Florida surfers. We talked about how he loves to make people laugh and how he's been doing it since he was in high school. And... His desire to complete a bit and to chase a laugh and go as far as he possibly can. He's been referred to as a comical genius, fearless, and compared to a young Jim Carrey. We talked about everything from masturbation, comedy, to weed. This conversation flowed so well. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Taint to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Mr. William Tyler Baker to the show. Or if you have any idea and you've ever heard of the Lex and Terry show, it's Taint. Hey, Taint, welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. When you asked me to come on, I was like, hey, this is something I could get behind. Finally, a good show. Aw, did somebody tell you to say that? Yeah, so we got our $5. I get a free steak and $5, I think. Your producer told me that. <laughs> oh, my producer, which is one of my cats. So I'm good. But no, listen, yeah. it's so weird that you started this conversation with a compliment because it's like you almost know my mind because I was going to start with some compliments I got about you when I was doing some research on you. And I want to read to you what people think of you. <laughs> And then I want you to tell me what you think. So these are some of the words that people have used to describe you and your comedy. Super creative, very brave, comical genius, fearless. He's like Jim Carrey. Whoa. I know. Holy shit. That, that is the holy grail of compliments. To be like Jim Carrey is to be godlike, really. Yeah, well, you know, because he has done the craziest stuff and you seem I follow you on Instagram and you seem to go that extra mile also but when you hear these compliments what is the first thing that comes to your mind I'm not worthy <laughs> <laughs> no, but you are. no it means yeah so it means you know what I've been doing it long enough that like enough people have overlapped where it seems like I got a solid house built <laughs> you know, I've, I've had one good one here or there and you pull back from a mile away and you're like, yeah, it looks pretty funny. But all the stinkers, they just fade away, you know, which well, I love. Yes. Well, I've had a lot of stinkers and hope, thankfully, the people remember the good stuff. They don't remember the shitty things we've done. 
Hopefully, or they probably have. Yeah, yeah, because the good ones they burn bright. The ugly, you know, especially nowadays, you can't remember, you can't hang on to anything because everything's being thrown at you so often. Just the good stuff. Right. Well, now it seems like even the good stuff is kind of questionable. Do you ever worry about going too far with your comedy, or does that not is that not something that bothers you or you no. think of? No, I, I definitely don't want to really hurt anyone's feelings. That would be probably the worst thing. Recently, I did a bit where I pretended I was the owner of, and I gave people raise, raises. <laughs> yes, it's Subway, and, right? Or no, Dunkin' yeah, Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts and Burger King. And that one, I kind of like, after days and days of just thinking about it here or there, I was like, that was kind of mean. I would I would feel so pissed off if someone said I was getting more money and it never happened. Oh, especially at a fast food restaurant. You basically went in there and got them all excited. And then did you tell them like, no, it's just a joke. I work for a radio station. No, 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 no. I, <gasps> I used to do that when I always have that as a card to play. But if you can get out of there clean and everybody's just like, what happened? I think that's the best case scenario. Oh, because then you never have to go back in there. Yeah, well, that or you just kind of like they'll just chalk it up to a crazy person and just go on with their day. Now, we've, we've, I've jumped so far ahead because I wanted to start with those compliments. But let me rewind a little bit. And when did you actually, when was the first time you thought, oh, shit, I'm fucking funny? Well, I, I mean, I've always been doing, like, weird stuff. I got arrested in high school wearing a dress, driving with my lights off. And then just, like, you know, it, it piles up. You do stuff for free, and your friends kind of be like, this guy's weird. And then you get the avenue to make a dollar or so off of it, and it seems like the perfect fit. So I would say I've been doing this stuff all along for free, and it's just I've been able to monetize it into my, you know, like from about 20 on. Now, you just said in high school you wore a dress and you were driving around with your lights off on your car. Obviously, you probably get pulled over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, luckily, his homophobia got him, like, to not ask me any questions. He was just like, turn your lights on. I got to go. You know, like he, he didn't couldn't compute the small town politics and all that. You don't know how to talk to anything that's not just like a dude with a baseball cap on. So I had his dress on and he was like, this doesn't seem normal. I got to get away. <laughs> now, is this just something you thought of in high school? Like, because I'm trying to go back to that moment when you were young and you were like, holy shit, I'm funny. I'm going to. Did somebody like dare you to do this or did you just create this in your head and say, I'm going to see what happens? Yeah, it's all just, it's all just, I mean, I have really bad ADHD and ADD, so I've always got a couple of plates spinning up there, and once I made one of those plates just, you know, going out and doing funny things, that's just a plate I kept spinning forever, and we'll always, I, even on vacation last week, I was in North Carolina, and I was thinking of bits that I could do every, you know, like every about five hours, you go, oh, I could do one right here, I could do this, you know, something I can't turn off. So something I ask, and thank God you can't turn it off because it's brilliant. And like everyone says, you're a creative genius. My wife, my wife is getting a little tired of it. I've noticed recently, I'm always bouncing stuff off her, and she's just kind of glossing over her a little bit more now when I, when I throw stuff at her. Do you think she's become desensitized to your craziness? Uh, I know it makes her nervous. We were in New York recently, and I did a spread my mom. I had her shoot the video. And she kind of messed up and didn't hit the button, as a lot of people do when they record with an iPhone. Right. And she was heartbroken that she didn't capture it. 
but at the same time, she was nervous for me the whole time, scared the hell out of her. Okay, so um, spread. <laughs> Sorry, I'm supposed to be professional. Spread your mom is a bit that you do on the Lex and Terry show. Am I correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's in ashes. You, you know, you throw them in the wind. You say, "Hey, my mom lived here," or blah blah blah. In her will, she wanted to be spread here, and then they're usually like, "Yay or nay," and you go from there. Now, is that a true statement, or are you just fucking with people and just saying, "Hey, my mom wanted to throw her ashes around, and this is one of those places"? No, I mean, yeah, no, my mom's live and kicking, so oh, I just Jesus. whip up. A, yeah, 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 yeah. I I just whip up some ashes, and my mom loves this bit too. So I I definitely am doing it in her honor. See, you know what? I know you through Terry James because he's been on the show. And one time when he was in San Francisco, we were hanging out. We were going to have lunch with you, but it didn't work out when you were still living in San Francisco. So I'm as excited to get to know you as the listeners are. Because when I was on your Instagram page and I saw that, I actually thought, I was like, holy shit, he fucking goes everywhere. He literally is spreading his mom's ashes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wish I could spread my, like if my mom passed away, I'm definitely going to do a spread my mom for real a little bit. But until then, I'm whipping up ashes whenever, whenever <laughs> I get the chance to do a bit. Now, have you ever tried to spread your mom's ashes somewhere and they were like, get the fuck out of here? Yeah, at a th I believe at a food place before they, they just said, look, there's no way that that's, you can't do that here. You can't do that. And, and it was like they were being serious and I just had failed. I just failed that time. Because I've been told that you will continue the bit for as long as you can. Yeah, I mean, I got a segment or two, you know, and this, you know, nowadays I got one or two segments that are mine. I get to carve out. And if I could hold it and, and use up the whole segment with a little bit of crying, oh, I'm going to keep it going. Right. I'm going to stay in the pocket right in front of them, keep it going until I'm out of time. Then maybe retreat for the break and then come back again or something like that. What got you into radio? Was that like your first dream? What, what was, so when you're in high school, you're driving around in a dress, you get out of high school. What is your first goal? What do you want to do? Well, in high school, you know how you do the career for the day yes. thing that take you, I want to be a, I want to be a butcher. So they take you to the meat patty. <laughs> I, I wanted to do radio and me and another girl, we went to our local radio station in Stark where, uh, it's like a guy that owns it. He lives there and he like runs most of the day shift. So they like let us do some on air stuff, bring in the Eagles. I'd played on cards. It was that long ago. And ever since then, I've knew like, Hey, that could be an avenue for me. Um, so then I, when I listened to legendary, obviously since high school, they're huge around here and they had a Mr. Nude contest. So I entered myself at 18 years old to strip at solid golden Jack and orange park. So that's where I met them. And I just stuck around. So you, so they had this contest and they were there. I'm going to take it. Cause they used to be based in Jacksonville, correct? Right, right, right. They were, uh, I think even Lex's mom was there for all the men stripping. He had her in the audience. <laughs> and so you get up there and did you actually strip naked? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was 18 years old. I'm just an ordinary person, human being with ordinary private parts, but there was ringers there. Guys in the back with huge dongs, and I'm just a scared. Yeah, I'm just scared. Eighteen year old dude. You know, they're all like wearing baseball caps, fluffing up, and I'm and I'm getting ready to go out. So I went out close to the end. It was traumatizing, but it's really fun all at the same time. I made. I think I made eight dollars or something like that. Now, 
Um, so, but what was the, was there a prize or was just Lex and Terry like, let's see if we can get some guys out here to get naked for nothing. Well, I believe it was, it was the yin and yang, the other side of the coin for the Mrs. Nude. They did a Mr. Nude. And I, so I joined in on that. The main prize, I think it was like 1500 bucks or something really good. I, I didn't get that. I got $8. I think I was most likely to get effed in the parking lot. That was my superlative. So one of the guys with the big dongs won the fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, those yeah. fucking guys with the big dongs—they get everything. Yeah, it's just like hold the life is just a buffet, and it's like how much do you want to eat? I got a big dong. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I love, I love that you say the word dong. That's hilarious. So you do this contest, you get eight bucks. How do you continue this relationship where you come on board on their radio station on their on their show? Well, basically, I was doing repo. This is during the financial crisis when all the banks are taking back all their stuff from people non-payment. So I was doing eviction, something terrible at the time that I hated. And uh, after that, I decided I was going to intern for free with them. And I contacted Peter and told him I was in school, Little White Lie. And they let me in the building, and I kind of did some promotional stuff to make cash. But I worked in the mornings with the radio with the guys every morning until, until for years. Did you ever dabble in stand-up comedy? Have you ever done anything like that? Yeah, I've done improv. When I lived in uh, when I lived in the Bay Area, I was part of Bay Area Theater Sports, and I did some improv there. I also just I've tried writing jokes, but it, I never get to the stage. But I have written stuff before. I just love the live stuff where you're just without a net, and whatever happens happens. Forces. That is fun because it all, you know, when it's live and you don't know what's happening, you can, when you're finished and you did a great job, you can, you really feel like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. This is, this is great. I'm like really quick and I can get shit done and said, and I can play along with these people. Yeah. And keep the ball moving and just like, keep it interesting. Um, so you were in Jacksonville working for them and then you moved to San Francisco. How long did you work for them in Jacksonville before you moved to the Bay area? Well, I'm, I, I moved with them out to Dallas, and I worked with them for about seven or eight years during that whole time. Uh, Jacksonville here for about two, and then out there in Dallas for about another six or so. Uh-huh. Um, and, then, and then I decided to move out to the Bay Area. My brother was in tech, and he got me like a sweet little job. And I, I surfed, so it was like kind of a mecca for surfing and just being a hippie, I guess, smoking a lot of weed. Eh, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no. So let me ask you this, though. If you loved being on the radio and you moved to Dallas, what would make you leave the show? Uh, at the time, it was like I was weighing money versus experience. I just I wanted to see the world. Those guys, both both those guys, Lex and Terry, had their stint, Terry being from the West Coast, so I guess him going to Jacksonville is the same thing. But you just want to make <laughs> that journey to see what's out there. You know, you, you know the rest of the world's cool. You've seen it. But can you live there? Can you do it? And that's kind of what I wanted to do. When you got to San Francisco, did you try to get into radio? Or were you just like, oh, I'm just going to work and I'm going to surf and I'm going to smoke weed and we'll see what happens? Yeah, I, I had leads from Old Clear Channel and iHeartRadio I leads. So I made some emails, realized that I was a really small fish in a big pond and that I couldn't even get an interview. So I gave it up and got into surfboard making and and, uh, you know, composite manufacturing. And that's, that's a whole other avenue that opened up for me when radio shut down on me. Right. Now, and how long did you live in the Bay Area? I lived for, I lived just a 
a little less than a year ago, I lived for a solid year away from my life, wife. But before that, I lived out there for five years, I think, something like mm, that, five okay. or six. You know, I kind of did that. I, you know, I'm, well, I'm originally from New England, but I lived in Florida for 25 years in Orlando. And we left Orlando in 2012 and moved to San Francisco. And that's any, a great move. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Listen, let me tell you, yeah. since in the last, people are always like, Florida's crazy. I'm like, listen, it wasn't this fucking crazy when I lived there. It fell apart after 2012. But, yes, it did. Oh, my God. But, and I was a flight attendant. I recently retired. But whenever I would have layovers in Orlando, um, some of my two of my best friends, one lives in St. Pete, one lives in Sarasota. Whenever I would go back to Florida, I would always walk around and I would think, oh, my, I can't believe I lived here. It's this weird th thing because, you know, you go into a Walmart in Florida is a lot different than you go into a Walmart in California. It's hugely different. You have the kindest people that that go to the different stores in different states. is all the way different uh, demographic. It's, totally. It's so fascinating. I would go to Florida and I would be like, I can't believe I lived here. I don't know if I could live here again. But now I live in Colorado, which is pretty fabulous. But when you yeah. when you moved back to Florida, did you have those feelings or were you like, I'm home? I I. I go back and forth because, you know, it's like you get a little bit further because you got family and people around you, you know, but then you also run up against opposition from the slowness of the economy and the way people do business around here, all that stuff. And, and out on the West Coast, things just move fast. You get an email, you could be working at a new company in like two days. And it just seems like it takes months out here for anybody to remember who you are. Which is weird because you would think it would be opposite because in California, especially in the Bay Area, they're so busy. It's like, oh, I forgot that email. What the fuck are they doing in Florida? They're multitasking out there. They're only doing one little thing here at a time, like a clipboard with one page on it. Yeah, I don't know. So now where's your wife from? My wife is from the Southwest, and I met her in Dallas. We moved out to the Bay Area after. Well, she I met her when I worked on the show, and then we decided move out to the bay area together so she had never lived in florida nope she we visited but that's about it she knew it was a whole ball of wax but not she didn't really get into it yet with me so when you come home from surfing or doing what you were doing in the bay area and you say we're moving to jacksonville is she like are you fucking nuts or is she like let's go it's at the time it seemed like the conclusion my brother was moving home he has since moved back and left us hanging, but my dad, my my dad had got a divorce, and I just felt like there was a need for me to come home. And little did I know, I was tricked. Don't ever, don't ever do that. You never have to move home. What do you mean you were tricked? You know, I have to ask that question. Well, I mean, it's just like you think it's your family. You know, you remember things being one way. You go, oh yeah, I'll move back. They'll be that way again. Is there a different variation of that? But you're never going to get that closeness you had as a kid things are different you're older now you know right yeah That's like yeah the idea of moving back home when you're an adult and you have a wife that must be something to really have to get comfortable with again yeah it was it was tough i mean i people don't understand this but the bay area you lived out there it's mm -hmm. like a when you're in your little neighborhood you're in the smallest town in america when you're in your hood and then it's kind of conversely changed so much here in the South where people are pissed off here. It's not as small county as it used to be. No, they're really angry. Yeah. They're really angry in Florida. Now, um, you, 
you're actually a really good guy. You're really, you do food donations at the, I was on Facebook and you did food donations at the amphitheater in St. Augustine. You were at the Black Lives Matter protests. In Northern yes. California, like when we we're, we both live there, we understand, we know the culture, we know what it's like to take that and then you go back to Florida and it's so different. It's not even like in Colorado where I always say Colorado's like if California and Florida had a baby because we have a gay governor, we have mountains, but we have weed. Yeah, you, you guys are just the early adopter. You got all your zealots down to the south and like Utah and there. And then just the free thinkers just kind of rose to the crop, the, to the top in Colorado. In Colorado. I love Colorado. Oh, my God. It's so – every day – we've lived here since November, and every day when I walk outside and I see the – because you can't see the Rocky Mountains from our house, but if you walk down the street, like two houses and look left, you could see the Rocky Mountains. And I'm always like, I can't fucking believe I live here. This is I was just out insane. there uh, this year. It was so much fun. Just the last day of the ski season before they shut everything down. And it was, I, I want to move there. I love it. Oh, yeah. You should. You should. We'll be best friends. It'll, Terry James will be jealous. So let's do it. Let's do it, baby. So, but how do you, being this, I'm not going to call you liberal, but you're a very free thinker, open minded individual. What is it like now? What are your struggles now living in Northern Florida? Yeah, just not, be, not being able to turn a blind eye to the N word and, you know, just sexism and, you know, trying to be more inclusive to other people. I'm just not going to put up with it anymore. I'm not going to be the silent white kid and being, oh, you know how your grandparents are. You know how they are. We all know how they acted. And we, we and it's just, I couldn't, I can't stop and not say anything now. I have to say something. Just, uh, I can't be part of that anymore. That complicit nature stuff, you know? Yeah, no, I get it. It's like once you open, I hate the, um, I hate the term woke. I don't like that word. And I think it's because I'm almost 50. But, it's like once you wake, yeah, once you wake up and you see the world, you can't really just be quiet about it anymore. No, you can't. If, yeah. if you do, then you are then you truly are doing something wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if you if you just ignore it, then then that's a problem. But I mean, I started off in a very Republican family, obviously from the South, and. And just quickly realized, I don't think these people, I don't think everything they tell me is lining up with, you know, everything. I, I'm, you know, I do not believe in Jesus. I'm, you know, I don't let that like shift my opinion on anything. So I just kind of, I, I broke away from that. My mom started off very liberal too, but she's gone to the right too. Oh. Everybody's shaken up around here. Yeah. Now, your mom, you're on the left, your mom's on the right. How is your relationship? Do you guys just not talk about politics we we like you know you just shoot a you just pepper them in there dude. you just pepper them in there you don't give them any weight it's just little ones bing bang boom and you move on bing bang boom and then you move on yeah you're just like, like oh, you, you know he did this today and then you move on real quick yeah you just like uh you know that's bullshit uh that blah 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 said that and then you just kind of oh pass me the gravy you know you don't don't settle on it don't look for a war this isn't bill maher you know this is your family I'm glad you said that because I just had this conversation with my husband the other day and I want to, I want to ask you about this. Um, I said to him, I went, I went, I went to sit with him. He was in the sofa and I said, Hey, have you thought about what you're going to do if people you care about and love vote for Donald Trump again and he wins? 
And I said, because I feel like I have to have some kind of backup plan for what I'm going to do with these relationships if they've lived through these four years of listening to all this, but they still check his name off on the box. Like, I feel like I have to have a plan of how I'm going to interact with these human beings. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough after yeah, that. Thank it's, you. Because, you know, they're not going to be quiet about it. So you're just going to have to, you would have to eat so much humble pie. It would be pretty tough. Yeah, it would be hard. And, and you know, I am the emotional how do I say it? Like I'm the emotional roller coaster one in the relationship. He's the very logical, you know, he had a very good upbringing. My upbringing was just fucking like thrown to the wolves and see what happens. Um, so to me, it's easy to just like cut people out at some point, like at a point when you're just, when you fucked me over so much or you've done so much, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. And he's not yeah. like, he is not like that. He's like, family means so much. And you would, you know, you just have to understand that some people believe certain things and you have to imagine their road to why they believe that. And while he's talking, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm that adult like. Yeah, that would be, I, I can't, I can't understand somebody's background when it hurts somebody, when it really hurts someone and there's like hatred and tentacles of what you believe in. I don't see, it's like you didn't stumble in this hole. You, you kind of dug it yourself a little bit and jumped in. Yeah. Now, it's, this like, is, yeah it's, like I, it's really, I have, I just was up in the mountains with my family and had to interact and we watched Fox news the whole time. It was, you know, they, they were commenting the whole time and I shut my mouth and every now, every 20th thing I would say something. But it, at the end of the day, I just knew that, you know, I can't change any of these people. I can't. They're, they are definitely going to, even if I had like an opinion that that was moving, I don't think that they would, they would vote a different way. No way. Right. Cause I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, like 98% of the population knows who they're going to vote for. So it's really, you're really just talking to a very small amount of people who might not know. So that's or, how, or just getting people to get out and vote. That, that is the biggest thing. I, even if you vote for Donald Trump, please go do it. Just, just vote. Just go do it. Yeah. yeah. Because if he got 90% of the vote, I would think it was fake, but at least everybody <laughs> would be involved, you know? Right. I think, I agree. I don't understand. I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago, and they're like, yeah, maybe I'll vote this year. And I'm like, what? I vote, I have, I turned 18 and... 1990 you were probably not even born but i turned, I, was. <laughs> I, I i voted in 92 for bill clinton and i have voted every year i even voted for george bush once i mean you just don't hate me but you just yeah, um, me too i voted for him the one time the first time i could it was the bush vote. i was like i'm a republican this is my guy was that in so i voted for him in 2004 because i did not like john Kerry, and my thought process was well, we're at war right now. I don't know if I want somebody like John Kerry to come in, and I don't know if he could handle the situation. So I was like, let's just stick with what we have and get through this. And so, and when I think that, I think these people today who are like, I have to, I have to vote with my party. I'm like, actually, you don't. No, you should never. I mean, that's that, that's the biggest. I wish we could have so many more parties and just more diverse groups of people, but we're all jug in on these two sides and we just have we're just playing tennis with the two parties playing yeah and not fun tennis i used to have a joke about like sex is like tennis when you're married you don't want to play with the same person forever so sometimes you got to go out and play tennis with someone else i like uh, that yeah that's good don't let your wife hear that so uh, yeah. well for me but i if it works for you i hope 
<laughs> no, 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 not anymore. I'm too old. I could barely have sex with my own husband. How would I even have sex with other people? It's it sounds Who's like, got the time. It sounds like a lot of work. I'm hosting a podcast here with you as my guest. There's no time. Also, for if you're not a flight attendant, I would imagine flying around the world, seeing different things would make me extra horny. And that would be a big part of it. If I was retired, I have one person. <laughs> well, when you're that's an interesting point, because, you know, Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I love that you said that because, so I just went to the dentist today and the, my dental hygienist, it was the first time I was there. She's from Columbia and I don't know how the universe put us together, but she used to be a flight attendant for Avianca in Columbia. And I used to be a flight attendant here in the States. So we have these great conversations and she's drilling in my mouth and she's doing her business. And she says to me, Oh, did you ever, Oh God, here I go with my bad accents. That sounds very racist, but it's she's, okay. she's like, do you ever, you, you know you married, right? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, do you ever be on layovers with beautiful, beautiful people? And sometimes it's hard not to go into the room with them. And she's married. <laughs> and she's got my mouth fucking wide open. And she's got her fingers in there. She's telling me, she's basically saying when she had layovers in Miami, she would bang everyone. Or that's, yeah. what, that's what I interpreted from it. And I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So then the dentist comes in and he, he has his mask on, but I already know he's hot as fuck. You could just tell, right? And he's young. He had, he, he said, had an aura. Yes, he had that aura. And he said to her, he's like, how long are you going to take in this guy's mouth? And they're joking back and forth. And then she, he leaves and she goes, oh, he always he always joke with me. And the moment she got her fingers out of my mouth, I said, you know, here in the States, <laughs> such a racist sometimes. I said, you know, here in the States, when somebody's giving you a hard time at work, it means they like you. Yeah. And she goes, Oh, Oh God, he's so beautiful. Oh, he's, so... and I'm like, Oh my God, I just met you 10 minutes ago. This is perfect. So did you fly into one of your stops was Columbia when you were flying? Center? Yeah. I've been to Bogota. Bogota. Yeah. I've been to Bogota. And, um, but it was just so weird that you said that, but yeah, flight attendants, I will definitely say it's easier to be single as a flight attendant because it seems like the moment you get there, so, you know, there's one, there's one less of bag you got to fly with. <laughs> yes. It's like the moment you get there. Well, you always try to remember, but lots of pilots take their wedding rings off. Like they come on the plane and they have their wedding ring. Oh my God, I'm going to get so much shit for this. They come on the plane and they have their wedding ring on. And then when you guys are all like, Hey, we're in Vegas for 40 hours, let's go and meet for drinks tonight. And then when they show up, the ring has disappeared. A magician must have made it disappear. A magician made it disappear. And I'm sure when they were in the hotel Ooh. room, they were like, honey, I'm so tired. I'm going to bed. And then they're partying till five in the morning in Vegas. So, Yeah, fake yawn. I'm in the covers. I'll talk to you in the morning, babe. Covers flying off. Your shoes are already on. Right. Here's a picture of me laying in bed. Hey, Veronica, slide all the way over. No, listen. <laughs> it's a mess. Fine. So when you come back, so you move back to Jackson. Let's get back to you. Enough about me. When oh, we, fine. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. I think my pickle martini's kicking in. So you come back to Jacksonville after being tricked by your family. How do you get that connection again and get back on the Lex and Terry show? Well, I, I still out in San Francisco. I had kind of like. Uh, worked out a little like a la carte thing where I could do some stuff every now and then. And then slowly but surely that whole time when I moved before I moved back here, I was doing bits leading up to that for about a year or two. And then moving back here, I've been doing it ever since. 
just kind of remotely. Remotely. Now, do you ever see yourself going back to Dallas or do you think I'm, I'm good here in Jacksonville. There's no need to think about moving anywhere else. I, I mean, I have a wife now and she's got a badass job. She, since I met her out there, she, I, I really want her to further her career as well as mine, but she's kicking ass right now. So I wouldn't take her away from that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, but very thoughtful. The, the biggest, if I got like a huge deal, obviously I would change everything, but. As of right now, I think I'm stuck here. If it was like, if it was like the Terry and Taint show, you'd be like, "Listen, I'm gonna have a condo there, and that's just the way yeah. it's gonna be." Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, I'm like very, I'm living very, very sparsely these days, which is okay with me. I don't need, a, I don't need a lot. You know? I don't, I don't know why I fired Ta- Lex like that. I apologize, but it just came to me. That's like, all right. <laughs> the T's squared. So, um, you are. You're actually they're considered to be their street man. Can you describe what that is? I guess it would be. I mean, th- there's still people in the show that go out and do street bits, which is you know, doing and performing a bit with people in public to kind of like either f with them or mess with society, that kind of deal. And really, a lot of it you can see that kind of stuff on Instagram these days and TikTok or whatever the hell it is. But it's basically just doing that live, like going out and screwing with people, jackass style stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's a good explanation. Jackass. Yeah. I forgot about that show, but yeah, that's almost, but you're not doing anything to endanger yourself. You're just going not, out to not be silly. Any, yeah. I have done stuff where I've hurt myself before and you know what? It's just that kind of, that kind of stuff. It's really only good once. So unless it's a really good idea, you can just do it and you're done with it. The recurring stuff where you hurt yourself is going to be, it's going to fade away. Um, yeah. Cause you're getting older. I mean, wh- you're not going to be throwing yourself Thanks around. Thanks for noticing. Well, I could tell in your voice. <laughs> ah! Now. So I have a, I actually, I was going to ask you a question, but I'm like, no, let me play a bit. I have only one. I have a, blah, 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 blah. oh my God, this fucking martini. I have a bit of clip that I'm going to play and let me set it up. It's you in a Walmart trying to get other people to sing along with the Muppet theme. Am I correct? I believe so. And okay. there's been some controversy about where the theme came from, but I'm going with Muppet theme. Yeah. Well, that's exactly yeah, what I heard. So let's play it. And then I want to talk about how they get you to do this crazy shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello, sir. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> You know, you have to watch the whole thing, but just when I hear you say that, I just start laughing. And I know if I was in the Walmart and some fool was walking by screaming, I would just, I would go along with it. I, I would too. I mean, even if I was having a bad day, I'd go, what the hell is that? I'm, I'm in on that. Wouldn't that put you in a good mood? Say, say you just got some really shitty fucking news. It's November 4th (laughs) and you got some really shitty news and you're like, fuck this. And you're at Walmart and some dude is like, it's, you're probably going to walk out with a smile on your face. Yeah. You're going to be a little confused and not thinking about your day for a second, which is nice. So, how do they get you? Can you walk me through when you're on the show and when they say like, do you know what you're going to do or do they surprise you? 
Yeah, so I have I have some reoccurring ones that I do. They're like my stable of stuff from Fred, my mom, like we talked about. To some other ones, some older ones like Black Like Paint, where uh, D instructs me on how to like talk hood to these people that have like a connection. But then I have sometimes we have just one off stuff uh, like this phenomena bit where Terry just it, it was pitched by a caller, a single caller, and they said, "Yep, yeah, let's just run with that." So I was already out, and we and you know that's what I did. So the Menomina, or is that the only song you sing, or do you try to sing? Yeah, that's songs? the only thing I sang when I was out there. Yeah. And what kind of reception do you get from people when you do that? This one was not that receptive. Out of a one to a ten, this was like a two to three as far as people, you know, uh, joining in with me in any kind of way. But some of them are like that. You know, some of it's just like me being in a position just looking like an idiot, doing stupid stuff. Sometimes I'm the joke. Sometimes the joke is something I'm doing, you know? Because really your end game is the laugh. Yeah. The yeah. Laugh. And this one was more a laugh from the studio and those guys and less interaction with people. You got to go. You got to go to the right place, Joe. You got to go to places where customer service is was the deal and that they're going to be forced into interacting you at least for like a sentence or so. Oh, so you have to go somewhere where they're going to say, hi, can I help you? Like Pier 1. Have you ever been yes. to a Pier 1? And I love the way a Pier 1 smells. God, <laughs> yes, I love a Pier 1. You know they're going out of business. I know, I heard about it. Um, but yeah, that's the type of place where you walk in and before you're even off the carpet, three women have been like, can we help you? And I'm like, no, I'm just here to look at ornaments. I don't and if yeah, if you got people like that, which uh, Home Depot is obviously not a great place to try to get any kind of customer service, but if you have a, a, a pure one type place where they're really helpful, Chick Fil A style help, then then you just fertile ground for comedy. Oh my God! Yeah, and I'm I, <laughs> I love that. Um, can we talk about because you mentioned and I I know of this bit, but I don't have a clip for it. Um, about black like taint, black like taint. Um, yeah. Who created that bit? That was a co-creation. I've been doing that one for maybe 10 years or something oh, like that. Wow. With Yeah. So D used to be in the studio with, with me and I would go out and I would recite what he said as I call him there. And now I do it remotely. And, and the idea is just to have connect. We don't do it. We haven't done it in a while, obviously, since a lot of things have changed in the country. Oh, but right. The, right. So basically you're, I'm connecting as a pasty white dude using the most current up-to-date, you know, vocabulary that like, are black and people are using and try to have a connection, but not always with black people. Sometimes I try to connect once I'm having, you know, striking on all cylinders, I will try to connect with anybody, whether it be a girl and try to holler at her or whatever, you know? And when you're doing this, you have your headphones in and is D like telling you what to say? Yeah, and sometimes he goes real long, and I can't remember it all because my memory is fucked. But I just try to have him do little short segments so I can, you know, like tell her blah blah blah. So I'm not like tell her, uh, and I can't remember because I can't get it right ever. So you just ad lib. Yeah, like the other day, there was this thing on everybody was saying renegade, renegade, <laughs> and I had never heard that, so I heard D say rim game. So I start yelling, rim game, rim game. And and they're just like, dude, what are you saying right now? That's nothing. And the girl I said it to, she looked at me like I was the biggest idiot in the world. Now, 
I want to know, because when you, you know what, like somebody described you as being brave. And I said, what do you mean by brave? How is he brave? And they said, he will go there. He will do whatever he has to, to get the laugh. Now in a situation like this, I'm already scared. Like if somebody said, this is why I, I, I this is why I could never do this. If they told me, to, I would be like, no, I can't do that. Um, do you ever worry? Like I could get punched in the face. I think that would be best case scenario, really. <laughs> best case is that you just get punched and you wake up and you're like, oh, it's over. I don't have to do that again. It's, I must have one of those faces that's just not very punchable because it's never happened. Uh, but I am totally aware that that is a possible outcome when you go out there and do this kind of stuff. You know, I, I think that bit's very funny and it is very brave to do that type of comedy to, to go out and just say, I'm going to approach these people and I'm just going to start saying shit. It's going to look so ridiculous, but I don't care because somebody's going to laugh at some point. Yeah. Somebody, somewhere, somewhere, somebody is just laughing at this. And although I'm not hearing it on my end, I could just, I just got to stick in the pocket and keep going. If your end game, what makes the end game of the laugh so important to you? What inside you says, I need to make people laugh? Because I have that feeling too. I don't know. That's a, it's a weird one, but it's definitely, since I was a little kid, you know, just like shoving shit up my nose and I, it's never faded away. I've never like cracked a book and been, oh, I think I'm going to be smart now. It's, I've always just wanted to, you know, whatever, shoot milk out of my nose and then go, ah, is that funny? You know, make one person laugh. That's all I need. It's the fuel. Well, you're not a Republican, so you're pretty smart in 2020. I'm just going to say that. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome, sir. Are there... I'm switching back. Oh, no, you're not. Well, I mean, if you stay there long enough, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, they'll, they'll get me after a while. They'll get you at that in those mountains. Um. Is there ever been anything that they've asked you to do on the show that you've said, you know, I'm just not going to do that? Or is that not an there's, option? There's some things that I wish I had done better because I believe they're great ideas. Uh, flying to a Bill, flying to New York to do interrupt a Bill Maher and Ann Coulter uh, show they were doing at Radio City Music Hall. I went there and I, although I did get disrupt the show at the beginning, and get kicked out. I don't think I made the bit enough flash to make it worthwhile. Okay, so um, did so the Lex and Terry show paid for you to go to New York to interrupt this Bill Maher yeah. and Ann Coulter interview. Yeah, it was like a debate that they did every night. I, or I'm not really exactly sure because I got kicked out, but <laughs> I went with Peter. Peter filmed from the upper balcony. I had front row six seats. And then I like got up and started screaming. Before you know it, you're being ushered out. I should have I should have stayed longer. How did how did you did they have the tickets all set up? Yeah, yeah, they just bought some like expensive ass tickets and flew me. This is when they were just throwing all kinds of money at like fun ideas. Oh, and I should have really delivered. I should have delivered a little bit better on that one. So you get there. No, this is too interesting to just gloss over. This is incredible. So you get there. You're in the front row. How long is the show going on before you just get up and start screaming? 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 you seconds, just, yeah. It was like you had a boner and you, lo you, just, you just ejaculated all over Ann Coulter yeah. so quick. Yeah, 
basically. They they had stuff that they wanted me to say, and as soon as I started yelling it and standing up in my chair, it, it was obvious that the guys, it, I just, they just like move you out of there so fast. Guys in jackets. Do you happen to remember what you, anything that you had to yell? Because I know a lot I would yell at Ann Coulter. No, it was pretty disappointing. I, I kind of blocked a lot of it, but they were, the guys were live in the studio, although we weren't live on the air. It was pre-recorded. So, uh, because it was at night and they were just, they had a whole bunch of stuff. They were lobbing at her through me. My God, that's incredible comedy. To to go that far, to go that far is is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was one. I, I let it slip through my fingers, but it was. I really appreciate it. I've tried to make it up to them since <laughs> then. Tried to tried to pour back some money into the coffer. Like, yeah, that wasn't cheap. But do do you ever get asked to do something where you think I don't think I can do this? And I don't mean like I can't deliver it like I screamed too loud when Ann Coulter took the stage, but just like, oh, no, that's over the line for me. Do you have a line? I don't think so. I mean, I, I have like a this is not funny line and I don't want to do it. So can we do something else? But as far as like if they come up with an idea they're hot for and they want me to do it, I'll do it. You know, they're very lucky to have you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. If they're listening, hey. you guys are lucky to have him. Hey, with every every radio show needs a guy like me. I've been listening to them for a long time, and even when I did back then, there was some guy doing what I... It's like I'm the new reincarnation of the, the big guy for them, and I love it. When you were listening... So you were listening to them when you were in high school. Can I ask you what year you graduated? Yeah, yeah. I graduated in 03. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so yeah. 03. So 17 years ago. Wow. Um when you were listening then and they had a bit guy, because that shows they've been on the air for a long time. Did you? Long even, yeah, they, they're fucking old. Did you ever think, um, fa- hi, Terry. <laughs> He's going to listen. Um, did you ever think that's that's what I want to do? That's who I want to be. I want to be the bit guy, the character. Yeah, actor, I mean, the character actor. Yeah, that's me. I could, I'm, as soon as I knew that was even an option that people were doing things like that via jackass and, you know, People are getting paid for this kind of behavior. I'm doing it for free. I thought this is a perfect fit for me. Right. Until you now went, so you started with them as an intern. And at what point do you think, okay, I should be getting paid now? When I moved out, yeah, when I moved out to Dallas, that was when they were like, I guess we got to pay him now. (laughs) And that's been my whole thing. You know, you stick around long enough, you, they will have to pay you. People feel bad for people that stick around for a long time. It's just a fact. Right, because the listeners are like, when are you going to pay this guy? Yeah, I mean, and they were good guys. I knew they were going to do it. So right. you just got to sit there in the shadows and wait till you got your shot. Money and is it, such a happens. hard conversation to have. It is. It is. It's very difficult. It always well, I mean, when you have a ton it. of it, when you have a ton, when somebody has a whole bunch of money, I feel like they'll talk about it a little bit more. But when there's no money to be had, the conversation's real short. You know, like, <laughs> like can't do it. Can't yeah. no, can't do it. Now, do you so. see? Do you see yourself now? Are you like a full time? Are you full time with them? Are you contracted? How does that work? Private contractor. We gotta we gotta protect these guys. You know, we can't have them liable for any. You know how oh, I'm basically I sold, soldier saying. of fortune. Yeah. I'm soldier of fortune. This way, nobody can track it back to them. 
I got John Phillips here in Jacksonville for all my legal needs, but there's a little bit of, there's a stopgap between me and them. Oh, are you serious? Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, before I was definitely paid by the show. Now I'm uh, 1099 by the show. So they're I... just, uh, just doing, just doing a job, a little job here and there. So you're like a con now, would you ever, are you building, is this like a stepping stone for you building a resume to possibly work for larger shows or for multiple shows? Uh, I, I probably not multiple shows, but my whole thing is I'm just going to keep doing this for as long, you know, one week, one bit a week for as long as I can and try to stack them up until there's just a mountain of, you know, work and you, people are just like, Oh yeah, I've heard of this guy. He did this did here. He did that bit there. You know, that's my whole plan right now. Well, that's a good plan. I mean, I don't have, I don't have Slowly. a very big plan right now either. And sometimes in life you just go day by day, like you said, or week by week. Makes sense. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And it's easy for me to like think of, wrap my head around the next week. And you know, if I think a month out, I'm fucked. But I can think a week out, and that's basically what I do. Do they call you? So say it's so. What day of the week are you on the show? Uh, Thursdays are my day, but I, I have done other days here and there just when schedule permits. But okay. Thursdays are my day. So Thursday morning, do you know what you're going to do, or do they say, "Hey, we think it'd be funny if you did this"? Yeah, I usually do know what I'm going to do, except for the phenomena bit that we talked about earlier. That was one we did. We came up with day of. Um, but usually I've pitched it earlier in the week and we've either changed it or, or, or just gone through a couple iterations and have a new one or, or a pre-existing bit. Well, I have another clip of a bit you did and this is you, <laughs> sorry, I laugh cause it's hilarious. This is you going into an ACE hardware with a bucket on your head and you want them to help you get, take the bucket off. That's <laughs> ridiculous, and I love I, it. I love this one. This is a fun one. Yeah, just if we call get a pair of nippers, we could cut that right. Yeah, we just if we get a little cut right there. Yeah, how did that even happen? Yeah. Well, I was trying. Say, yeah, I was trying to uh, make make a face mask maybe yeah. for my daughter. Yeah. But this is no good for her. I'm not putting my daughter's head in the bucket. Okay. Yeah, I mean. I, I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe for us. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I understand. Okay. No, 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 no. As call far as us cutting around his head, but we can call the fire no, department. No, please don't call the fire department. This is not fire related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that woman was having none of your bullshit. She was like, no. I, we are not having this today. Like and the other no. one was like, no, we ain't going to be liable. Who, um, who came up with that idea? Cause that's pretty funny. That was a that was a me bit. I nice. I've been just thinking about the face shields and just trying to come to the ultimate conclusion of the stupidity of humanity and like where would that what would end up happening if someone keep trying to make face shields at home? And I thought a bucket on your head was the ultimate conclusion that somebody would eventually try that. Were there holes in the bucket? Yeah, I cut an oval that I kept making the oval bigger and bigger until I could just barely get it on my head and then i turned it 90 degrees so that it wouldn't come off my head you know just barely fit on oh my god uh, and then like in that that clip you played the guy cut it off with a pair of pliers yeah so it. you waited until you were like no you have to get this off me you weren't just gonna leave you were like i'm gonna play this out as long as possible 
yeah, once he's, he started helping and that's like the best thing you could ask for someone that's just willing to be a good Samaritan and help the person out. And I just played on it, sat down in the chair and waited for him to help remove it. <laughs> that's so incredibly funny. And I, love he was it. a nice guy. He had a brand new shirt with the sleeves cut off. If that says anything about him. Did he and work, then he did had he work a, there though? Yes, he did. That was the guy that worked there. And then the, the, he was looking for some tools at that time. And then I guess she was the manager came over and was like, what's going on? Are you okay? You know, she did, but I could see, she, I could see customers just losing their shit out of the top of the bucket. When I did look down, I could see people in line just being like, what the, what the, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Right. Because it's almost like people have lost their sense of humor. Like if I was at the Ace, Ace hardware and I saw this happening, I, I could not help but laugh whether it was a joke or not because I'm the guy and this sounds terrible. I'm going to admit it. I laugh when people fall down and I laugh. Yeah. I laugh. And this is, I know it's horrible, but the older you are, the harder I laugh or the younger you are. So if you're like two and you fall hysterical, if you're like a hundred and you fall hysterical, if you're 40 and you fall, eh, you should learn how to fucking walk. Yeah. And it's also like, Hey, you're 40. You got to hold it together a little longer. You're not, <laughs> You you can break a hip, and this is not a good ride for you, man. This is not. When you um that bucket on your head is fucking amazing. Now, when you're in the car, so I used to do theater, and I can remember, I would just be a maniac. I would be so scared, almost wanting to vomit the right before the curtain opened, like seconds before the curtain opened. I would just be like, I need a bucket. I'm gonna throw up. And then the moment the curtain opened, and I said my first word. It was just like nothing. It was the easiest thing on the planet. Do you go through yeah, that when you're like, exactly that. I'm walking up to the ACE hardware, you've got them in the ear, they can hear everything you're saying and you're inside like, I'm going to throw up the door opens and you're like, help. And then it's on. Yeah. As soon as I, as soon as I hear the rejoiner music and the show's coming back and I'm on hold with uh, Sarah about to go on, mm. I just, everything, everything loosens up before that I have to go poop. Um, I'm hot and sweaty. I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. Can't we do this another day? And it's almost every time. So I just know it's part of the ride. And as soon as it's time to go, everything can go again. I am so glad you said that. I feel the same way. Here, here's something interesting. I feel the same way about doing this podcast, and I love doing this podcast. I love it. But I'm telling you, the 10 minutes before the show comes on, I'm usually well, I'm usually dancing around the room and I'm acting like a fool. But before that, I'm thinking, oh, God, can I just reschedule this? Even though I can't because it comes out in a few days. Or, no, I have to do this. You know, there's something in my brain that's like, oh, I'm scared, and I don't know if I can do this. Do you think that... These days, you know, with I, I think that people nowadays they we're able to change our minds so easily because of text message that even things that we love to do, we're just uh, I, I can reschedule this. If, if you think it's going to give you any kind of trouble at all, you could just like reschedule everything. Mm, and you know, twenty thirty years ago, you couldn't you had couldn't do that. If you said you were going to be somewhere to do something, you had to do it. And I, I feel like nowadays. We're just able to just move the pieces around a lot easier. Having text message, what you're saying is having text message or having this instant social media interaction has made it easier for us to be lazy and say things like, oh, I'll do it. Well, oh, I can't meet you for lunch tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We'll do it another time. I'm running late. And you can lie easier. You can can make some excuses easier. 
but that's the way I am with the the show. I it's just a rhythm that I think that I'm into with it, and I always don't want to do it, and then it's okay if things happen. And then after you're like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought, or you're like, oh my yeah. god, I'm glad I didn't get beat up. Yeah, it was, and then I always think, wow, that was quick. That was really that was fast. I'm done. I can oh, go on and do my day now. Right, because when you're in the store, how long does a normal bit like that occur? What is it, like five minutes or four minutes? It's yeah, it's like six minutes. A, a short one would be like five minutes, but I think a long one could be 10 minutes or so. I probably should know, but I, it's, it's okay. like 10 minutes or something for a long one. Um, yeah, and then, like, so you're all getting crazy up until the moment, and then when the moment, and then you're on, and then you're like, oh, that wasn't even that long. What was I yeah, I think it's, I think talking to Lex and Terry makes me feel good. I'm like back in the fold again and I feel like warm all over. They make, they make you feel warm all over. <laughs> they do. I feel like we're back at, Hey, we're the band's back together. You know, Hey, we got this. It's like the fan, you, it's like a family. Cause you were with them for so long ago and then you kind of left, did a little work every once in a while, but now you're back in the swing of things again. Yeah, and I even went back to doing radio in Jacksonville and, and having a weekend shift and things like that. And why it's very fun and something that I never got to do, it's not the same as being part of a morning show. So when I'm back with them, I just I feel like the world is just perfect. And you're and you're you know, when you're doing a radio show, like just a radio so you were said you were doing a weekend radio show in Jacksonville? Yeah. Yeah, on Planet Radio, uh here in Jacksonville, I was doing a weekend show on Sundays, pre-recorded, uh, middle of the day, so it was fun. Uh, I'm furloughed right now, so that's oh, kind of put sorry on hold. To hear that. But, but it's, all right. But are you able to stretch that comedy muscle when you're doing the show, or is it something completely different? It, it's a little. I can write out stuff a little bit. I can try some. I can pre-record some stuff and and like listen to how it sounds. So I don't have like that immediacy of just being like, "Well, here we go." I kind of get to like tease it out and like play with it a little bit, but I it's 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 more like production, you know. You get to like make it sound good, even though it sucks. Is it um? Do you play music or is it like a talk show? Yeah, yeah, it's music. Music. I just get to lead into all the if it's like I know a fact about a band or oh, I fun. hate a band. I I say I'm like, oh, here comes Lincoln Park. I really hate them on ninety seven three. Do you, but, you say know. that? Do you say that? Because that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be completely honest. Back then, it was ninety-seven-three. Now it's one of one hundred seven-three Planet Radio. But I want—if I didn't like a band, I wanted to say, "Hey, this is the fifth time we played this today. I'm sure you guys are as tired as me of this song." <laughs> That's amazing. You know? Now, yeah, I've always wondered, and I've never got this answer. But do they tell you what to play, or do you get to play whatever you want? It's a complete list. It oh. just looks like you, you're walking into a party and you're like, oh, this is going to play here, there, and there. And you got the intro. You get the chance to intro some and outro some. You know, hey, that was Shine Down with Theory of a Dead Man. Up next, we got, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh. But you just get to fill in the gaps and try to make it all sound good. And that sounds fun and exciting, but nothing, and, you know, myself being a theater person, nothing is really more exciting than live entertainment where people are laughing at the moment. There's no better feeling yep. than when you're out doing a bit or you're standing on stage and you do something and you get that instant gratification. And that's what I, it's almost like a drug. 
Like laughter is like a drug. I used to, I can remember one time I was doing a drama show and it was called death trap. And, um, I, I, my character had just killed someone and I was sitting on stage and I was, it wasn't a comedy, but I was like playing with this knife and this old woman in the front row yells, Oh, he's contemplating murdering somebody. And I wanted to like <laughs> stop the show and say, yes, this bitch is paying attention, ladies and gentlemen. She knows exactly. <laughs> she gets it. This is Brevard County, Florida, and she fucking gets it. Wake up, people. <laughs> yeah, there's no, let me tell you, this, it's, it's as easy as this. There's no way to fall asleep when it's live. When it's, when it's like a pre-recorded production thing where I could like move some pieces around, I'm yawning. I got no energy. I suck. You know, everything I'm thinking of is not that funny. Live, it's just, it is what it is, and it usually comes out better. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I love, I, I, I do. And um, our friend Terry James, like, challenged me to do a live podcast episode. Because, you know, of course, these are all pre-recorded. And he challenged What? <laughs> Sorry, oops. Your um, producer did not inform me correctly. I, obviously, I need a new one. Um, but I want to do a live show because I, I, don't, I don't think I say much. I, well, first of all, I don't edit anything out. So the stupid shit I say, I just roll with it and say, oops, don't hate me. Um, yeah. But I, I love that idea of live. Let me ask you this, which I haven't asked you. We've been talking for an hour. How did the nickname Taint come to be? Believe, okay, the guys, Lex and Terry, purposely purposely didn't know my name, you know, as you do with someone who's in the peripheral when you first meet them, and you're, like, way higher than them. They're like, hey, Todd, Tucker. It was Tucker for a while. And then finally it was Tank, and then that stuck for pretty, like, maybe a year into it. They came up with that name, and it stayed ever since from Tyler. From Tyler to Tucker to Taint. Yep, that's exactly how it went right there. Do you just use that nickname for the show, or do you kind of go by that in regular life now? Well, you can't give yourself a nickname, so that is the nickname. It's like pouring a shot of vodka or something. You know, that's the nickname they have chosen for me. That's the nickname I will do, or Saki. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's what came up, and that's just what I roll with. But do your do your friends call you like what does your wife call you? Pookie or Taint? <laughs> Pookie would be nice. No, it's, uh, she calls me Tyler. Okay, so you go by your middle name. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice name though. I like Tyler. I think I'm going to start calling you Tyler. I like. That. It is a nice. It is a nice name. But when you, I will. Have you ever had heard somebody called your name and it doesn't stick with you that that is your name? I hear people called Tyler. Oh. Pretty regularly. And I think, God, that's a weird name. And then immediately go, yeah, that's your name. Do your friend. <laughs> you're like, I don't oh, identify shit, as a Tyler. You don't. You, I don't. You identify with Taint. Yeah, I'm a, I would probably say, are you more of a Taint or a Tyler? If I had to choose before, I'd probably more of a Taint. Oh, of course you're a Taint. You're like 100% Taint. <laughs> yeah. Hey, imagine being a Karen right now. Would you... Go by, would you switch your name? I would. Oh my God. The whole Karen. I know some really nice Karens. Hey, sucks to be them, man. It sucks to be Karen right now. But you know what? It was time. I'll get a hate message for this. It was time to call out these crazy ass white fucking ladies who act like complete lunatics in the street. Yeah. Point blank. Everybody's sick of it. Exclamation mark. So if it's Karen, it's, it could have been, um, there was another one, Sharon. I don't like to say that. That's my mother-in-law's name. But 
I know some really nice cameras. But if they said, oh, look at these Joes, I'd be like, fuck, what am I going to go by now? Just call me JT. Yeah. Call me JT. Yeah, yeah. I would get out of that. I would get out of that quick if it was associated with being a total dick and just causing the scene. <laughs> exactly. I kind of love it. I love it. I definitely, I definitely hear Tyler and I go, oh, Tyler. I can even see the like comedy in it, like Tyler, you know. Oh yeah. Well, when you say it with a whiny voice like that, it sounds horrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, everything does. We were um, we went to dinner the other night, last night. Well, let's, so last night, you know, we don't really go out anymore because it's COVID nineteen, and we stayed home so ah. much. So we stayed home so much. When we go out to a restaurant now, it's almost like a, it's almost unbelievable. And um, so we went to one of our favorite restaurants. We sat outside. I had taken two edibles before we got there. Before you go? Yeah, yeah. So I took them so that by the time I got there, and we have these really cool ones. They're like gummies, and they're apple pie flavored. And what? How many milligrams? Two five? Two tens. Two tens? Yeah, I'm a- Jesus Christ. Uh, you might as well motherfucking call me Snoop Dogg, because I am- yeah. So I popped two of these and we get in the car and my husband's like, did you take any edibles? I'm like, I took two. He's like, oh, Jesus. So we get to this restaurant and then I order a pitcher of sangria because, you know, it's summer, it's warm. We're outside. It's Colorado. I'm like, I'm going to. And the lady's like, oh, we can't sell the, the pitcher so big. We can't sell it to just one person. I said, well, can you bring two glasses? And they're like, oh, yeah, we could do that. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I, I work around. Yeah. Hello. I love a good workaround. Yeah. So I'm with him. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to drink it together, even though he has a beer in front of him. So I, yeah. I polish off this pitcher of sangria and my edibles have kicked in and I'm like at a 10. And he texts, uh-huh. yeah, oh, it was so much fun. And he texts me, this woman comes in with her three kids and her husband, and they look straight out of Tampa. And he texts me, my husband texts me, and he's like, look at the Karen over at the other table. And she did have a Karen haircut. And it was very funny at the moment. But Asymmetrical Bob. Oh, yeah, it was so, it was almost like she went in and said, I want you to make me look like the crazy assholes that are caught on video right now. And they said, ah, hold still. <laughs> they're like, they're like, ma'am, we you are our fifth customer today. When you take that much THC, you don't feel poisoned a little bit. <laughs> um, well, it's not that much. Um, so that is a lot. T- is I it really? Oh every my god! Day. Now I feel but bad. Ed- edibles are a different thing. I don't really dig them because they usually they either like hit you really hard. This is hard for me to dish out. Okay. So t- ten is all I really ever do. But to do two at one time, that would melt my mind. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Uh, well, I'm chubby. So, you know, it probably, oh, well, there you go. It probably works differently. No, um, I, I <laughs> this is hilarious. Yeah, no, I usually do two. Sometimes if I want to melt my brain, I do three. Um, but most of the time it's like one or two. But these apple, they're all so different. And these apple pie ones I have, these gummy apple pie ones we have, they make me clean. So if I take them, I have so much energy. I'm running around like a maniac. But if there's these other sativa ones I take, they, I'm just sitting on the sofa and I bear, like the cats could shit on me and I'd be like, I'll clean it up tomorrow. <laughs> And that's such a nice feeling, too. It is. It is. It's like, oh, thank God it's just shit and you didn't piss on me because then I'd have to get up. I can just flick the turds off onto the floor and I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Just a negative vibe blocker. 
that's the greatest. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were watching, there's a special on Netflix we were watching last night and, um, it's called green or greener or something like that. And it's about the history of cannabis in the United States and about how in the eighties, you know, the government and the conservatives tried scaring all the white people about, Oh, you know, weed, your daughters are going to get raped. You know, the same story that's been told for decades and decades and Snoop Dogg was on there and he made such a profound statement that uh, it was incredible. He said, if you put a thousand dudes in a room that hated each other and you got them all high by the end of the night, They'd be taking selfies and being on fucking social media having fun. Uh huh. But if hundred percent, yeah. yeah. But, if, but he said if you put four motherfuckers who hate each other in a room with a bottle of vodka, some motherfucker's gonna die. Yeah. And it was yes. so, it's so true. It's so true. Then they showed this clip of Nancy Grace. You know who that is, right? Oh yes. And they were talking about when Trayvon Martin was killed and he had a trace of out he had a trait he had some cannabis in his bloodstream. It was like 1.5. So it was basically like he had tried weed like 3 or 4 days ago, right? So the guy the the guy on the show he's like, "Oh, you know what that oh, you know people doing weed." And Nancy Grace says, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought when people smoked weed, they just sat on the sofa and ate food." And I was like, yeah, Nancy Grace knows. She's <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, check. you nailed it. You nailed it, Nancy. That's exactly <laughs> what they do. That's exactly what I. Yeah, I just sent my husband to the store. I was like, "Listen, when we're finished this recording, I'll probably need some edibles because it's a Friday night. But I need you to go get me some grapes because I have to stop eating Oreos like Tic Tacs because I get the worst fucking munchies ever." Yeah. Yeah, you got to really foolproof yourself when you get that high. Carrots are my number one thing. I'll get a bag of carrots, put that in front of me, and just force myself to eat only those. Now, why don't? Why did you say again you don't like edibles because they melt your brain? Well, if they melt you from the inside out, so you take it, whatever, and it comes literally from within, like you're turning into an X Man. <laughs> and when you get high, it's just it's just coming from the top down, you know, from the computer and you just kind of fill it in the extremities a little bit. It's not that like full body sensation that you get from edibles. No, you know, I've never smoked a joint. Really? Yeah. I, um, I've never smoked a cigarette either. I'm kind of weird. I've never tried a cigarette. I, um, I've never done a even a vape pen. Yeah, no, never. I've never done any of that. I've never, um, done a bong, you know, I've never done one of those vape pens or one of those moisturizers or whatever the fuck they're called. A moisturizer. I don't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't it's, a, it's a yeah. balm. Yeah. 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 It's like lotion. You put it in your skin. I don't know. But um, yeah. I've, I've never, never done, done any THC ear cleaning swabs or whatever you kids are doing these days. Do they have, are those real? No. Oh. No. But I'm just, I'm trying to get it to the obvious conclusion. Like one day it's just going to be oh. like a weed, a weed comb I'm running through your hair. You're high. I'm shocked the gays haven't created one that you just stick up your ass. Uh, a suppository I have seen. Yes. Oh my God. There's a suppository THC. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it's, uh, it's actually, that's a, like a real medical marijuana one for people oh. who are in pain, okay. but Hey, you know, Hey, put it up your butt. Well, you know, um, when you put the, <laughs> Well, I have not had an edible, by the way, I promise. But when you put yeah. um, when you put things up your butt, they dissolve faster and they get into your bloodstream quicker. Yeah. So I could imagine like you'd stick it up. And by the time you get to the end of the driveway to check the mail, you're fu you, you could fly back home. 
you just roll back to the house. But I've only been doing um, edibles since June because I retired from the airline industry. And, you know, you can't do you can't that you we get randomly drug tested all the time or whenever like just random you come off the plane and they're like hey we're, you're getting a random drug test so you really can't unless you're going to be off for long periods of time because you know the FAA will you'll never be a flight attendant again but, but I don't understand you're not flying the plane oh, I, mean, what I know is, what, oh it's what well, is the problem here well even it, you know, here's the weird thing, and it's so frustrating. And I, I sometimes feel like my my job in life is probably to get the FAA to overturn this no cannabis rule because there's no rule about drinking. The rule about drinking is you can't have a drink eight hours before you are supposed to work. So if huh. you, if your report is like say six a.m. You're supposed to stop drinking by 10 p.m. But I'm going to fucking tell you, if I stop, if I've been drinking for four hours and I stop at 10 p.m., I'm hammered when I wake up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the rule is so stupid. It's so dumb because, you know, you get high and, you know, you're high or whatever. And the next day you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm fine. Yeah, there's probably some THC floating in my bloodstream. Or like me, it's probably higher because i take so much <laughs> but yeah yeah or, or you like you're you move a little bit and your gut opens up a little bit oh there's a little left in the tank all right yeah, right exactly exactly but i just think it's such an awful rule so when i came when i came out as an edible um connoisseur now basically of thc my husband came on the show and we did one called at home with joe and matt the edible edition and we did edibles and it was kind of like my coming out, like, haha, fuck you, airline industry. Fuck you, AA, FAA. I don't work there anymore, and now I'm high as a kite. And it felt great. That's awesome. Felt like coming out of the that, closet again. You're coming out of the second closet. Yeah. See, life's just full of closets. You get out of one, and you're in just a bigger one. <laughs> now I'm in a closet that's all warm and fuzzy, and I get to eat Oreos. It's amazing. <laughs> the gay so, hey, can I? The gay can I ask you? Awful. Yeah, ask me. Well, I bet it was terrible. It's a lot smaller. This yeah, is just a bit, little bigger. Terrible. Hey, but if you go to a private carrier, do they still have the same rules? Or I mean, if you fly on like a private plane with Snoop, obviously, you, do you still have what, fall under the same rules? Well, say Snoop. <laughs> that's a great fucking question. Say Snoop Dogg has his plane and he hires his own pilots and his own flight attendant. Technically, they still are under the FAA guidelines. So they're not supposed to do THC. But, uh -huh. I mean, if you are a flight attendant on an airplane with Snoop Dogg and he fucking passes you a blunt, I don't give a damn who you are. If you don't take it, he's probably going to open the door and kick you out. Yeah, or you'll never be on his plane again oh, because yeah. you, he's gonna you're be, weird. Yeah, he's like, who, who is it? Joe, I don't want that motherfucker on this plane. He didn't even no. take that blunt. So, yeah, he made it weird. He made it weird in the plane. He made it weird in the plane. Um, oh yeah, I could talk about weed all day long. I'm I love it. It's just like this new it's you know what it's like? It's like it's like when you had sex for the first time. Remember when or no, no, let me rewind. It's like when you jerked off for the first time. You know, you you did it and then you were like, Oh my god, I waited this long to do this, and then you did it for like every day for the rest of your life. But I did it first and nothing like came out. It was like I did it and I was like, well, that was all right. But I didn't get the full sensation. Then later on, I got the sensation. I was hooked. 
Wait a minute. So like, how old were you the first time you tried to masturbate? I, I don't remember, but I, I definitely remember nothing happening. You know, it was like, eh, yeah. that was fun, but, but it was just kind of like not the full shebang yet. No, sh- no, no, nothing came out. You felt like, yeah, because I can remember doing that when I was like 12 or 13, maybe like 11 or 12, I would I would do it. And then I would be like, ah, ah, ah. And then I'd be like, well, what? Okay, I get, am I done? I don't even have to. Yeah, like, I you just don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. It's, don't touch it. It's so like, like shut the air conditioner off because if it just blows over here, my whole dick's going to explode. It's yeah. it's not going to be good. And then once you got that prize at the end, you were like, oh, this is like Christmas. So to me, that is what it's like having edibles. I did them and I was like, this is how it feels. This is amazing. I'm going to do them for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically when I, when I, figured out how weed worked in with my body, you know, my mind and all that stuff. I realized I was going to be doing it forever. Oh yeah. It's, it's, you know what I've, and I've also noticed, so I've been doing it almost daily since June. And I used to, I would say I used to go through like three or four bottles of wine in a week. Like I could drink some wine. I, I love to drink wine. That's a good amount of wine. Yeah. Yeah. Like three bottles, but it would, but then some weeks I would not drink at all. But like I used to go to the store and I would buy like three or four bottles of wine and be like, "All right, that's set." Um, and I've just noticed in the last two months, I like I just had a martini, one martini now, and I won't even, I don't even have any desire to drink anymore tonight. I was just like, "Let me have a martini. I'm gonna talk with Taint. I want to be a little relaxed." Um, but I've noticed that my alcohol intake has dropped so drastically which is actually healthy yeah i think so too i mean even if you were smoking it it's still not as bad as a long-term drinking problem no i mean like what's weed gonna do to your liver just make it make you know what actually what weed does to me well edibles when i have them is i actually feel all the organs in my body it's a very weird feeling (laughs) so you can feel food processing i can feel it all well I, I have this I have this fear that I'm I have cancer all the time. I, I'm slightly hypochondriac every once in a while. And so if something happens, I'm like, oh, it's cancer. Oh, it's cancer. And so now I used to have that. Yeah. Do you, how did you get rid of it? Do you still have it or did you, did you get rid of that feeling? Well, I stopped sleeping around and that really I was like as soon as you stop like hanging your dang your dangle and everything, you're kinda like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna be all right. I might live. I might survive now. Well, why would you, so would you think? Yeah, I was like names, scared I was going to die from the, that. The names you have for dicks are amazing, by the way. Dong, dong, I love it. Um, did you think you were going to get cancer or AIDS? I, I thought I was going to get, I mean, I, you know, I was having a lot of it. So I was assuming that like playing the numbers, when I'm going to probably catch something, as Morrissey says, catch something I was ashamed of, you know? Right, right. But you didn't. But I never did. I'm a survivor. <laughs> you're as yeah i never got anything either and you know my fear so when in the 90s because i was born in 72 i was 18 and 90 so i was i was really living those early years like when hiv and aids was like if somebody fucking sneezed across the room you're like well i better go get tested yeah it was yep. that and i lived in fort lauderdale at the time because i moved down to fort lauderdale for a couple of years from like 93 to 95 and oh my god like hi like it was terrible like i can remember and i would have friends who and i was a virgin at the time and i um 
I would have friends, they were just fucking everybody. And I was always like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't get that AIDS. And yeah, that, my, um, my roommate in Dallas was, he was in the bear community and he did bears. He worked at a, a, a gay sports club, Woody's in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I've been and there. And he would, and he would fall in love with guys. And then one time he came to me and said, dude, I think I'm in love with somebody with AIDS. And I was like, dude, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I that's a tough one. So I, I let him figure that one out on himself on his own. But I, I think he ended up making the, making the decision he was good with because he, you know, he'd moved on, but I was just, I couldn't believe that that was, something you had to battle with in, in that, you know, going out every night, it sucks. That's terrible. Well, it's, Knowing yeah, death it's is scary. around. It's very scary. And that's why I was a virgin until the year <sighs> December. Who can 19, remember? Like December of 1999. I was like 28 years old when I lost my virginity. Because Dude, I was, that's awesome. I was so afraid. I was so afraid of getting HIV that I was like, if my options are I could get HIV or not have sex. I'm just going to jerk off. Wow. And so I was a virgin until I was 28. And then, of course, once I experienced that, like the edibles, I was like, God, this is fun. What was I waiting for? I see the theme here where you're waiting a long time to do things that you really like, which is a great way to be, you know, just holding off, pumping the brakes for a little bit. Yeah. You know, and then, of course, like I said, once I... Once I had a dick in my mouth, I was like, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever. You, play, you played a little tune on it. And it was, hey, I was meant to do this. It brought me back to band when I played the saxophone. <laughs> so <laughs> you're so awesome. So um, let's talk. You have a podcast called The Surf Knot, right? Yes. Yes. I, me, me and my buddies around here, we all surf and we're all very opinionated. So I finally wrangled the best ones together and we do a podcast called the surf knot and it's called it's it, let me read this it's a podcast about three local north florida surfers mm-hmm. so what do you guys? i've never listened to it i'm sorry i'm the worst host please don't hate me but what do you guys what do you guys talk about do you just talk about surfing or do you talk about all kinds of stuff in in, in life i am a liberal but in surfing i'm very much like a conservative I like the old school methods. I don't like anything that's too flashy. And me and these guys, we kind of, we, we explore those things of like how surfing's getting a little bit too, you know, just like younger. It's made for the younger generation now. We're losing touch with some older roots. And so we talk a lot about regional stuff and surfing around these breaks. It's fun. And um, you have, you've had like, what, 10 episodes now? Yeah, we have a couple in the tank right now I'm sitting on, but I have a 10 episodes right now. And we started basically during pandemic and have been going since then. So I love it. And fun. I like the way you spell knot. You spell it like a boat knot, K-N-O-T, which I think is pretty yeah. cool. And, and a surf knot is also a calcium deposit buildup on your big toe, which I have one. It's like a growth. <laughs> It's kind of sick. I love the way you laughed. You were like, this is supposed to be funny. Is <laughs> I mean, it, it grows people out. So you have a <laughs> you have a growth on your toe and it's from surfing? Yes. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to send you a picture of it right now, okay? Okay. Um it's coming coming at you. Yes, basically it is like something of a bunion. Okay. But my my big toe, my first metatarsal is not kicked over. So my toe is straight. It's just built up 
like a, a bone spur on the outside edge. I just sent you the picture so you can see it. Okay. Oh, okay. It's coming through. So, um, and how, how does that occur? Well, I wear, I wear it with pride. It's like an old school thing that like older surfers got because you spend so much time in the water surfing. And basically you just, from sliding your foot on your board, it builds up a callus on there. Did you just, what do you think? I don't know. Did you just take this photo? Yes, I just took it. Well, I I wish I had an edible. Um, (laughs) So there's an anchor on your big toe, which I like. That's kind of cool. But I, um, that's that must. <laughs> I'm, this should be. What, what do you think about that? Um, I'm gonna have to share it with the audience, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at something that looks like it's from another planet. Um, is it hard for you to walk? How do you walk? Do you have to walk on your heel? No, it's been really good. I've actually been to a podiatrist and done some exploratory stuff just to make sure everything's good. And she's like, "Hey, if it doesn't hurt you, don't get anything." Because the number one thing everybody tells me is, you know, like uh, these kind of surgeries, they take a long time to heal and there's actually no, not a lot of guarantee that it's going to get any better. So if it doesn't hurt, just keep riding it. And that's what I've been doing. So you can walk on it. It's just under your big toe, right where like your foot and your toe connect. And it just look, it looks so fucking painful, but it's, it's not. It, yeah, it's not. No, it's like it bends so that total flexibility and, it's just so that's what a surf knot is, and that's why we named the podcast that because it's just oh. weird. Oh, and... yeah, that's uh, yeah. If I saw that, <laughs> if I saw that, I would be scared for you, and then you would say it doesn't hurt, and then you'd bang it on the floor, and I'd be like, holy shit. Yeah, the podiatrist, the podiatrist I showed it to, she immediately wanted to jam a needle in it. And he's like, hey, let's see if we can get anything out of it. And I go, okay, if you whatever you want. So she tried to get some juice out of it. Nothing in there. So it's just like a calcium hard. Oh, like when you first, yeah. I didn't mean to say, ew. <laughs> I'm such a. It's all right. Hey, it's, it's, um, it's weird. Bodies are weird. And this is just like so what happened. It's like your wife could suck on your toe and then you're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I have a, a fifth toe kind of going out at a 90 degree angle from my first metatarsal. How long have you had that anchor tattoo on your big toe? Uh, I think eight years or so, around eight or eight or so. Really? Okay. All right. So I let a friend do that one. Oh, oh my goodness! That wasn't even done by a professional. You just let a friend nope. do it. Yeah, that's just a little stick and poke one. I let him do in the trailer. Oh my god, that sounds. I weird. had that one friend that wanted to learn the tattoo, and I was like, "Hey, here's my big toe. See what you can do." <laughs> You really just, it's really rare that you say no. No, yeah, this just falls in line with my whole my whole thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, let's try this now. Put a big toe out there. And and I love that you had a bear best friend. That is actually very cool because I am a bear, so I understand what you're talking about. Yes, uh, and I, actually I have more exposure to the bear community than anybody. Oh, and drag shows. He would like drag me out and be like, dude, you've got to come to these shows. They're hilarious. And he was right. Some of the funniest things I've ever seen. The performances are amazing. The comedy is the best. And and so I'm so glad that he brought me out to those drag shows. It totally changed my life. Have you um watched this show Pose on Hulu, I believe it is? I, no, I haven't. Okay, so if you have Hulu, you should watch Pose. 
season one and two. It's for, I believe it's on FX, but you know the seasons are on Hulu. And it takes place in the late '80s, early '90s, and it's about the drag community. And it's just uh, Billy Porter's in it. It's so amazing. And if you enjoy drag shows with your gay friends when you were traveling like Dallas and whatnot, you will really enjoy the show. And also the comedy's great. The it's so funny, but it's pretty dark at times because it does take place in the in when like HIV and AIDS were running. Uh, yeah, yeah. But if you were if you didn't if you enjoyed that, this show is it's so incredible. And also it you get such a lesson in gay culture from like the eighties and nineties, if you're interested. Yeah, absolutely. It's very it's very cool. You um you mentioned something about when you said I am a liberal, but I'm a conservative surfer. So I wanted to ask yeah. you, what's it like being on a show that mostly everybody on the show is a liberal, but you are broadcast in such a, in so many conservative areas in the country. That's so weird to me. I, I, I grew up with it. So I really feel connected to, I mean, people that are physical conservatives, social conservatives. I, they were, the big difference is that once I, stop being believing in Jesus, my world, I could see a lot bigger. And that's why I started to pull away. But I still feel a real big connection with the people that have those kind of views. And when I, whenever we broadcast to them, I go out to these events with people like that. I really feel like it's people I grew up with. And I connect with them deeply. And because you grew up with them, not per se, because you agree with what their philosophies are, but you just say, Oh, these are my people. We're just, we just think differently. Just a deeper understanding of like what kind of, you know, it, they're not unknown to me. They're not this scary people that, oh, they're, you know, they're all racist. They're all this, you know, I know the nuances of people right. like that and how confused they are in a little bit of ways, but it doesn't make them necessarily bad people. They just need a little help. Abs I agree with you completely. I do not believe all conservatives are racists. I definitely, you know, when somebody says that to me, I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're grouping everyone into one category and that's not fair to people. And no, I, it's I, not. I, I hate it when they do to liberals and they say it's really easy to make these kind of characters of the people that you don't know of. Right. And you have, you, you're kind of perfect in the way you grew up in this conservative world. You've lived in a, you've lived in California, which people in the South of the United States think California, like is where the devil lives. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they, they're very scared of it. They are. They're, and I'm like, have you been? Because, yeah, it's expensive. And, yeah, sometimes they lean really far left. But the weather's amazing. It's fabulous. It's pretty fucking cool, except it's a little crowded in the Bay Area. But I am always so surprised. But people in California who are so liberal are afraid of the South. It's so interesting. Yeah, they are. They're terrified. They, a lot of them, they, it's not even an option coming down here. They just know they will not vibe with these people. Now, I am a people person watcher. So when I go to Florida, I love it because, or whenever I'm anywhere that tends to lean to the right, I'm always like, I, I'm going to watch all these people because I'm probably going to learn something. I, I don't know if I learn any of them, but it's definitely funny. I, you know, I love watching people look stupid, wear <laughs> stupid things, have no teeth, things like that. That's the spice of life for me. Did you see that photo of a woman from Sturges 
who has um, Mount Rushmore painted across her tits and Donald Trump is on it and it says Trump 2020. I heard, I have not seen that. I have not. It's, um, I'll have to send you, I made a meme about it. Is on, it tattooed or is it painted? I think it's painted. It looks painted. It's, <clears> like, <throat> it's like when you go and get your face painted, but she just went and got her tits painted. Um, God, like a cat face, but she just got her breath done. Right, but Donald Ugh. Trump's on one titty and George Washington's on the other. And I'm like, George Washington would not be happy with this. No, he wouldn't. He would whoop this guy's ass. You know, if George, well, here's the, I just said this to my husband yesterday. I was like, if George Washington came back, he would say, fucking blow up that Mount Rushmore because I specifically said we're never going to be kings and we shouldn't be worshipped. Yeah, people forget all that stuff. Even the, the leader of the Confederacy was like, after the war, he didn't want any monuments. But you know, they seem to forget that, you know? Yeah. I don't want any monuments for this stuff. Right. Like, no, yeah, no, 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 monuments. And that's it. I love that you brought that point up because I don't think people, a lot of people know, like, those, all those statues that came up that everyone's screaming about the Confederate statues, those came up like decades after the Civil War ended. It wasn't like yeah. the Civil War ended and all of a sudden they started fucking popping up all these statues in 1865. It was like dec decades later where they were like, oh, we need. Oh, we need to put these statues up because there's a lot of black people moving into the neighborhood and we want to scare them. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. Oh, my God. See, you're very smart. All right. Before I let you go, because I've kept you so long, I want to ask you one final question, which is a fun okay. question just because I'm nosy. So you're on a flight from Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia. So it's a long flight. If you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? God, I was just watching a movie the other day. Oh, oh, Eddie Izzard. Was that the you know who Eddie is? Is he from the um the um? Oh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. He he played um Eddie Munster. No, no, oh, okay, he, I'm wrong. He Eddie. Okay, so in the Ocean's Eleven franchise, he's like the tech guy that builds all their like holographic Fabergé eggs. But he also is like uh, a I think he does drag, but he's a British comedian too. Really? Okay. He he has big specials. He's got some big comedy specials. He's huge, and he seems like he would just be fun. He's kind of like a, who's the guy that that wrote The Office? He's kind of like that kind of guy. Oh, I just, know who that is. Eddie Izzard. I'm looking him. I'm looking him up right now on uh, my computer. Either him or uh, or the guy from The Office would be a lot of fun. I uh, the original Office. Oh, um. Yeah, what's his name? Oh my god! Oh, dude, the collude. I forget his name now, but the 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 main the main cast member, right? Yeah, yeah, the main British cast member, oh whatever god. the guy that came up with the whole Ricky thing. Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais, but him or Ricky Gervais, I would love to sit next to them. Both oh both Brits. Oh, that's so cool. What would you ask them? Why would you want to sit next to one of them? Well, I don't know, man. I just they they seem like they would just have a really easy conversation ricky gervais would be so much fun to talk to i could probably get him laughing that would be my whole goal it's like you know either like trip and fall or do some kind of thing like that slapsticky fill some water i'm just like you i if i meet somebody and i make them laugh right away i'm like all right this is gonna go well 
Yeah, exactly. It's a great, it's a great like direction finder. Oh, got a laugh in there. This is going to be good. Oh, uh, we're going to be best friends. Tate, you're so much fun, and this conversation was so awesome. I did not expect to go down the paths we did, but that's what I love about podcasting. You just never know what's going to go. Please let everyone know how they can follow you, where they can find your podcast, and all the social media, so that they can stalk you like I do. Okay, so I'm Kane is a dumbass on everything. So if you just search Kane is a dumbass, whether that's YouTube or uh, Instagram, which is my main shtick, then you can find me. Yeah, that's it. And I'll, I'll have it all in the, um, in the episode description so that they could find you. So, sir, And I'm posting all my videos now. So if you want to see the bucket video or any of that, it's all available on there. So don't think you missed out on it. This stuff. You can see it yourself. Oh, yeah. And I'll actually be sharing those things when the episode comes out, too, so people can actually see what's happening. So awesome. Thank th you so much, Joe. Thank you, Tate, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You're pretty awesome. And I, um, I'm very grateful for you coming on the show. So thank you, sir. Thank you, Ben. Thanks right. for having me. Take care now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also, check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, <laughs> check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.